0: The scripture this morning is from James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect unstable in all his ways the word of the lord
1: well today we begin our sermon series in the book of james and um we have eight verses uh there for you in the uh, verses five through eight i am going to use a little bit but we're going to pick up on those for next week so i'm not going to go too deeply into verses five through eight but um and just so you know, the, this book has not been without controversy. Back when they were putting the first Bibles together, yeah, people had their different Bibles that they were warring with. Like, this, this is my version and these are the books in and, Um You know, when they were putting the first Bibles together, figuring, figuring out which books were Bible status, which ones would make the cut or not for the New Testament, for James, for many, James had a hard time getting in. And one main reason James was, one one main reason James was a difficult sell for some was the belief that James was too legalistic and not as grace and Jesus centered as the Apostle Paul in his letters. But let me assure you something. James is definitely God's word. And I believe contrary to its face valuing, it is written to actually widen the road and raise the limits and add lanes for us to more freely live for the Lord. In fact, as I hope we will see from these opening verses of this book, James is like the instruction book for the Autobahn, for NASCAR, for Formula One Baja kind of faith living. James is telling us that Christianity is nothing short of a high performance faith the highest performing faith and when i say faith it is the combination of two things the gospel the message and ministry of salvation through christ from god applied and then secondly applied to our lives so as a high performance faith it is built for life Performance and secondly, as we will see today, it is built for God's performance, life performance, and God's performance. You know what sells our cars to us oftentimes? If you watch enough sporting events, it's those performance highlighting commercials especially the ones where the car is swerving and speeding through the Swiss Alps right or on an open highway in Montana or in some salt flats in Utah doing 100 plus sometimes even a minivan drifting the rear end around a water sprayed curve Sometimes they show a pickup truck at a huge excavation site going over gravel. And other times it's a car with millionaire way too thin Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Driving around at 2 a.m. through the streets of New York whispering sexy, cool, incomprehensible prose. (laughs) Nobody knows what he's saying, but I want that car. (laughs) But all those car commercials say the same thing. You're about to purchase a performance car, a car designed to perform and put in a high performance for your life and whatever it calls you to face, it can handle it, it will not slide, it will not lose cool points, it will go with you, it will not fail you. You can have faith in it regardless of the circumstances and so you should go ahead and buy into it and put your trust in it and faith in it regardless of the circumstances. James in these first Verses gives us a commercial for the gospel. And he wants us to believe that this faith, our beliefs, based on the message and ministry of God through Jesus Christ, is built for real life performance, built for the real world issues, and built for believers living with real world issues. James does a good job of describing this world with the words and images he uses throughout these first verses understand that by mentioning the, mentioning the dispersion or the spreading of believers in verse one that you have in your reading uh, that that he's saying away from their hometowns and familiar settings believers you have this gospel that is made for life's trips and travels. that christianity is an all-terrain crossover vehicle of God's grace, and it is made and given to us by God to work where you go and carry you wherever you must or need to or find yourself going and being. It will not leave you behind and stranded, and you can't outlive it or outrun it or outcircumstance it. But look at the words James uses in the other verses. Joy, test, tribulations, trials in verses 2 and 3. And then further down in verse 6, there's talk of winds and waves. James is setting these images before us today. It is saying this faith, the gospel, God's message and ministry through Jesus Christ is given by God and built for real world stuff with its joy and pain, sunshine and... Y'all are too slow. Maybe I'm too old again. Y'all, don't, y'all forgot that song? Anyway, for, for all the crashing and swerving, right? And twisting and turning. We can experience and do experience while living here in this broken place. He's saying the gospel is ready to perform in and for whatever life can dish out in the seen and unforeseen. He is saying what Jesus wants us to know. This faith, this Christianity is made to deal with real world stuff. And with that, real life decisions for those of us who live here. Look back at verse 2 and 3 with me. And he says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. When he talks about tests and trials of Various kinds the Bible is saying this faith performs and is built to perform when you and I have to make decisions about what verse 2 tells us various things. That when it comes to decisions about what is right and wrong or which way to go or simply how to live and order your life and your steps. That if you are a believer, God has given you a religion, a faith, a way of believing that is built to deliver. And he gets real explicit about it in verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom... That's decision-making skills in a topsy-turvy world. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be giving to him. And just the way to describe God is being generous and without reproach, it is basically saying this is the way Christianity works. This is the way God works. He doesn't have to think about it twice. If you need help, if you need uh, instruction or wisdom for decisions in a topsy-turvy world, this is the God of the Bible. That it is built to deliver answers and solutions to all sorts of things you are dealing with, various things. He is saying then with various that there is nothing, nothing or anything that this world of decision or dilemmas or tests can dish out that is so special, that are so peculiar, or so I know how we get and all dramatic. This is my really unique issue. Nothing that this faith, our faith, is not built to perform for our good. Which leaves us here. I don't know whether it is obvious, is obvious to you as it might be to others as you read and heard these verses read, but in verse 2, James tells us to count it all joy. And we will dig into this more or a little bit later, but he is saying at its simple level, this faith is something to be happy about because regardless of all the trials and tribulations and through the trials and tribulations, it is built to perform in this world for your good and thus to make a really better you. I know using word like better, Opens the door for all kinds of assumptions and false views of what better actually means. I'm better. You know how we get cynical. I feel I'm better. What are you doing? I'm trying to get better. And we're like, (laughs) yeah, right. Nobody gets better. They just manage who they are. But better as far as God sees it right? That Christianity is not a faith to be stagnant in and about. It is not just good art or good fashion, right? Or, or, Or good drama or even good philosophy. We should expect that it will, how does James put it in verse three? Produce. The gospel, when we put the proverbial pedal to the metal in seeking God's grace, puts out, right? And we should and can't expect it to put out some real life-changing, life-altering power for believers living in this world. I mean, it has to. Look at what it is promising to grade and get out of broken, sinful people like you and me in this messed up world. In verse 4, it is promising steadfastness. And then from steadfastness, perfection and completeness and lacking nothing. And in verse 6, wisdom, good God-given decision-making in this life. This is what James is so excited about. Somehow. This gospel really changes people and you and I can expect it to perform perfectly it to perform perfectly in perfecting you and me. And no, I'm not stupid. I know I am being renegade, careless, and cavalier with words like perfect and performance. I can't believe such a, Supposedly grace-centered God used the word, pastor used the word performance. And perfect. I'm pretty scared. I didn't use those words. You see it right before you. It is saying God is going to perfect us. But I think many of us, Need a fresh, I'm going to call it almost gospel naive start and restart to believe. For those of you whose faith and faith life has become disappointing, defeated, lazy, weary, stale. Not hopeful or prayerful or fighting, but just tired and dry. We're not living like our faith works, right? Or is supposed to work anymore. It has stopped being and feeling real. And God through James, as we will see throughout this book, is calling for us to be more than confessional Sunday duty duty believers. But believers who act and live like their faith is actively and truly and really performing in this world and for them. And some of you who are grinding it out. You need to be encouraged to keep on keeping on. And finally, right, for those who have no grounding or direction for their lives and are desperate, right, for something, right, something you can believe in, something that can touch your life, something that can change and and, and give you some hope in this broken world of tests and trials and tribulation, wherever you might find yourself, there is good news. And that's why James says, joy, there is a perfect and perfecting faith for you. And there's only one, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ built for performance to dish out and put out powerful, real-life challenging and changing grace. But have you ever been in a high-performance faith in a really high performance demanding situation? Let me ask you this. Have any of you ever had the experience of being in a high performance car in a high performance situation? Or worse yet, have you ever been in a situation where your car had to perform highly or you were definitely dead or done? I've been enamored with muscle cars and fantasy fast cars all my life. I don't really know much about what's under the hood, just enough to get along in a conversation, to look good. And I've dreamed about owning some of those cars. Lamborghinis, Porsches, Chevy Supersports, 69 Chevy Supersport or something. Just, I dream about driving on the Autobahn in Germany. Or through the Swiss Alps. like the commercials. I even get that good fantasy feeling when I watch Need for Speed. I know it's corny, but you got to watch it. You just see those guys drifting in those fast cars with the neon lights. Man around a curve, and when I was little watching the Dukes of never had a black person living in Hazard County, (laughs) nevertheless, I didn't know no better. You should have seen the reaction one Christmas when I got a a Charger, right? A 1970 Dodge Charger, and I begged my granddaddy to let me put a Confederate flag on it. (laughs) The whole room stopped. Why do you want that? I want to put General Lee in a confederate flag on it. Why? Because Bo and Luke Duke have one. It turned into a different kind of court Christmas. It became a history lesson Christmas. <laughs> but nevertheless, I dreamed of being the black version of Bo and Luke, jumping a bale of hay, saying "Yeehaw." But if you've ever been in a high-performance vehicle, in a high-performance situation, it ain't like TV, yo, is it? (laughs) Was it last year? I bought a 2003 BMW station wagon. Though it really is a German-made grocery carpool and soccer mom wagon. (laughs) Nevertheless, I felt like I had entered the performance vehicle market a little. I had a car made in Germany for the Autobahn. And I thought I was ready until I rode with Dave. Dave is the real mechanic and car guy whose house I go over and play mechanic and car guy with. We don't ever grow up. He's not here today, is he? He in Germany. Learning car stuff for real. But he was like, hey, man, let's test your car out. Okay, I'll drive. He drove. Driving it to test its performance. Doing donuts in a secluded parking lot. Testing the new brakes he put on. Testing it shifting at high speeds. Going around curves. I was scared. (laughs) Is you know what? But by what I now knew, it really meant to have the ultimate driving experience. I'll tell you, yes, I might have this ultimate driving machine for the ultimate driving experience, but there ain't no way I'm going to push it or trust it or go as fast for what it was meant to or wants to or was built to or highlighted in the commercial or the crash commercial too. I'm nobody's dummy after being Dave's in that passenger seat that day. But I think it is true also with our faith. Because of fear, because of sin, because we are not used to or have not come to know how indispensable and powerful and strong the faith is. And so we go soft and weak on our beliefs. Cause sometimes it feels like our high performance faith in our God is asking of us and wanting of us and demanding of us more than we can do or we believe He can truly do. We are afraid we will let God and ourselves down again, or we are afraid of what we might put, what, what He might put us through to the point of failure. If we do go all, I, all out, I need you, God, tell me how to follow you and live you all passionate. We're afraid of crashing and burning out and being faithful or living for God. Or we become gun shy from, from past bad experience. Or we're afraid of becoming legalistic or enslaved or a Jesus freak or the Ned Flanders look-alike or, or enslaved by church and religion. And so you know what? We don't push. We don't trust. We don't ask our faith or our God to perform for us. Our prayer lives and personal faith drops off. Contrary to how the gospel prayer life promises to perform. And then some of us, like the double-minded person, James talks about in verse 6 and 7. which I believe I have to study and is a description of someone yet to fully trust Christ or believe in Christ, some of you then don't and won't even try to ask Jesus to perform his saving work on your lives. So simply put, James is saying it will take And takes and is taking nothing short of a divine performance and act of God to get you and me to act and live like God expects us to with the faith he has so graciously given us. So guess what the Lord does? He does not ask people to test or try their faith on their own. He doesn't wait for us to take our faith on an open road and see how well we do. To see how powerful it is to perform God's grace unto them. No, God is going to take you on a ride by bringing the trial and test and tribulation to you. Look with me at verse 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet Trials of of, of various kinds for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and that steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James is teaching us, like it or not, God is going to buckle us in and let us in our faith go through tests, trials, tribulations and storms. So, you and I, like I do every day, you get in your high performance faith, living a grocery store existence, just safe, kind of a little less faithful than what God really is wanting you to be. And God has planned for some rain on the way, right? You're you just going to the grocery store. You, you, your, your faith is, is just going to target, right? The proverbial target. It's safe, man. You're not taking a thing above 35. You're not taking about 40. You, you, you're keeping it at a good speed limit. You're buckled up. You're not going in any detours. And what does God do? He brings a detour. And he brings a storm. And he brings rain and and he brings a crash even for some of us. And all of a sudden, what? Crash and hydroplane and and detour and and seatbelt locking up and airbags rolling out, right? And, and, And this is what happens. James is saying that God is putting our faith through an experience for us to grow in our faith. And James to tell us to count it all joy. And it did not make sense because he, like us, knows and assumes that no one enjoys trials and tribulations and storms and uncertainties. Right? If you're in your car and you're driving, I don't care how much money is spent for it. I don't care how many awards it got. I don't care who built it—Volvo, BMW, Mercedes. I don't care who built it. When you slipping and sliding on the road, you're not. Who? You're not like woohoo. When you hit another car and the airbag goes off, you're not like, yes, I'm so happy that I have the ultimate driving machine. (laughs) Other words come out, but not ultimate driving machine. (laughs) He has to tell us. He has to order us. Because it is normal and natural to put tests and trials and tribulations in the unenjoyable column, in the lose column. And let me tell you what he also assumes, that lose you will. And fail, you have and will again and burn out and get it wrong and misunderstand and love yourself and sin more than God and others and make the same mistake again. And thus why we live in fear of going all out for God and all out for holiness and selling out and trying to say no to sin and yes to intentional relationships and holy intentional church community and all that kind of stuff. Because the ultimate faith experience is a journey that is filled with problems. Still yet, he says, trials and tribulations and tests, things that bring out your failed prayer life and uneasiness with certain certain of God's holy commands are good for you. Why and how? Not because they show how steadfast you are. If you read the scripture that way, you're reading it wrongly. Or show you how perfect you are, or show how complete and lacking and not lacking you are, or how wise you are, that would be that would be a wrong definition of the gospel life. James is not asking us to get happy and be confident because we will recognize our steadfast and perfectionism and complete and completeness and be Mr. and Mrs. everything for everybody in every situation and making all the wise and good decisions every time. No, he is looking to and putting our hope and our motivation on the gospel steadfastness and Jesus' completeness and God's wisdom to produce a steadfast, complete, and perfect you. Get this. The thing that produces a steadfast you is a steadfast Lord in you in shaky times. The thing that produces a being completed you is the complete Lord at work in you in less than times. The thing that produces the one who has everything they need is the Lord that is everything at work when nothing is working out well. The wisdom to know and believe God and trust and act well in life only comes from and through a God who is all wise and knowing and giving at work in you when things are turned upside down when you go through trials and tribulations as a believer you can be sure that steadfastness and completeness and perfect love is at work in your situation even in your failures changing you to not just perform better as in one who trusts god but but rather changing you in someone who trusts god to take control i have looked at this verse over and over And I do not believe Jesus, I mean, James, Jesus through James is telling believers to work, to be more steadfast and complete and perfect. The only command I see here is the counted joy. And then to let steadfastness do its work and to ask God for wisdom, believing that he's merciful to answer and provide all we need. I don't see an inkling of us working to be steadfast. And the double-minded thing, again, is that Scripture is someone who's an unbeliever and he is saying you are not an you are not a, a unbeliever. And if you are not an unbeliever, you don't have to approach God like that. He will answer and hear your prayers. You know what I believe this list in verse th- 4 is? So, list of superlatives, and they are in the same camp—the perfect camp. This is where you're headed as a believer, but it is impossible for you to get there in this life, and impossible for you to get there by trying and working real hard. I am not saying that growth in faith does not come with trying and working hard. But understand that these final superlatives is where the Lord Jesus alone can take you and what the Lord in your life, you know, your life or, or could be in your life is already like and at work in you. So what is James actually calling me and you? To push your faith to the limits to the edges that means through throw it all in put the pedal to the metal In this, I need you and trust you, Jesus thing. Take and do repentance and forgiveness for all it's worth. That means push and pull on the grace and mercy of God again. Don't give up. That means stop being afraid that God will be disappointed with you or that you will let him down or take the risk of his unconditional love for you and give a whole new level of commitment of time and resources. And in doing so, trust him with your failures and issues and problems problems. And James is telling you and me to take all of our life's burdens and just Try, right? Just try to overweigh God's payload with our prayers. He is saying, take a risk and drive the gospel right all up in the tumultuous, dark place. Make God perform, if you will, right? Press God. Lean into the Lord in the test of your life to perform great things for and in and through you and through you in not-so-great situations. James is saying. Then step back. And enjoy the ride. When I say enjoy the ride. To be glad. That it is God with you. That it is God who won't leave you. That you have a God with you in your trials and tribulations who is powerful and loving and so good to make everything for your good in bad situations. I promise you, and James is promising you, like a high-performance car, the Lord and the gospel will not slide like good tires in a stormy rain and the breaks, the breaks of God's grace will hold to stop you from condemnation. Count it all joy. Because as you will see and experience in a real life and i have experienced many of you, the gospel can be trusted to carry you and not lose you and bear your loads and go through rough terrain because you and I, by God's grace through Christ, are in and a part of a high-performance faith. When you know your faith is dependable through trial and tribulation, it is not the faith that gets better. It's already perfect, but praise God, you and me who ride and drive and push and press and yes, work with God's high-performance grace, goodness, and love, we change for the better. The Christian faith is a high-performance faith.